Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. You're listening to episode 139, Batman Ninja, Godzilla Netflix Anime, featuring beer from Mad Anthony Brewing Company, Blood and Bullets, and the Big Bad Baptist from Epic Brewing, with your hosts, Keith and Pale. All right, welcome in episode 139. I'm going to talk about Batman Ninja and a little anime on Netflix that we found. A three-part Godzilla series. All part of our anime as we close out May this month. I, we figured we should probably have something anime-y in this Pro- month. We have not done so until now. Until now. I mean, we've so. been teasing it all month. We've had so many good episodes before this, but... We figured to close out May, we'll give you some type of anime. Um, and maybe this will be a good gateway into expanding our horizons into the anime world. I know I myself um, am very infatuated with it. I'm up to date on most things, but I know you other three guys are not. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we'll see what the viewers think. I would maybe like to get into it. I want to cover a lot more. and Yeah. Um, Netflix and Hulu, they have a lot of different oh, animes yeah. to offer and... I would like to get into some of them and check them out, just see what they're about. Um, my first one I ever watched was um, Attack on Titan. Oh, yeah. Which was really weird. It, that's a weird one. Yeah. Very creepy. And yeah, that one freaked me out the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't... I have a friend that's trying to get me into that one, but I've only been like four episodes in. And I stopped because there's so many other things I need to watch. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to go back and check that one out because I know that one's really exploding in popularity right now. Yeah, I watched season one and I stopped, went back to other stuff that I would prefer to watch instead. But I'm interested to finish it out, just see cool. what it's about. But it, um, my friend at work got me into it and it got kind of depressing, too. Yeah, it's one of those anime is pretty good at that. I mean, it, 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 it's got its moments, its happy moments, but they're mostly like very sad, poetic like, style. Yeah, like, very poetic. Well, like, end of the world, everybody's going to die. Hope is all lost. Yeah, just a completely different culture <laughs> from what we're used to in America. So, yeah, um, but it's it's awesome. It's definitely exploding. And yeah, maybe we'll focus on that. But a great segue into the anime world. We were so excited when we first came across this, that DC Comics and what they were doing and teaming up with. Um, these Japanese animators and turned Batman into an anime style, like this weird 3D animation stuff. Mm-hmm. So to come up with Batman Ninja, figured that would be a perfect thing to cover for this with our geeky side there. with always talking about superheroes, and now we can segue into anime. So it's kind of neat to see how these two worlds are going to blend together. Yeah, we can bring, bring like two different genres in together, which is really cool. Absolutely. And I don't think anybody else, I think Dustin's seen this. I know Saf hasn't yet. I don't know if per Dustin recording. has seen it. Maybe he hasn't. No, well, it's DC, so probably not. Yeah, it's DC. He doesn't DC as hard as we do. True. I'm sure his brother has seen it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Many times. Probably should have invited him on the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you think? Not Dustin. No. Um, 
A little bit about Batman Ninja. We'll go ahead and start with that one tonight. Batman Ninja is a 2018 Japanese animated superhero film produced by Warner Brothers, which features the DC comic character Batman. Go figure. The visually stunning Batman Ninja is the creative result of a trio of anime's finest filmmakers. Forgive me here, but director Junpei Muzusaki, opening animation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I know you probably haven't heard of that. I, I remember that one. Uh, writer Kazuki Nakashima, Girin Lagan, I don't know that. And character designer Takashi Okazaki from Afro Samurai. That's an awesome one. I've heard of that one. I've watched a few episodes of that. I'm really excited to get into that one. Um, produced the original movie with Warner Brothers Japan, or with Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner Brothers Japan. The script was then reinterpreted and rewritten for the English language distribution by award-winning screenwriters Leo Chu and Eric Garcia from Super Ninjas and Afro Samurai. I've heard of, again, Super Ninjas as well. Benjamin uh, Melinker, Melnicker, sorry, Melnicker, and Michael Usain Uslan are executive producers for this. So what's really neat is that those are some pretty big names, as we just heard in Japanese anime, that they brought in for this, to create this movie, to team up with the writers at DC and these guys, and just to give, I think it more turned into, they just gave these Japanese companies the rights to Batman, said, here's Batman, put him in an anime. Yeah. And they just took him and made it their own. Um, and then they really didn't like pull too many of the Batman things into it. I think they really did though, because they had like every Robin under the sun in this. Um, and right, every the whole Bat one of family his, was yeah, basically the, the giant Bat there, family, except Batwoman. She was probably the only one that was absent. Yeah, that's true. And the ton of villains too. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty neat to see all this come together. But we'll get to the story here real quick. But before we do, I wanted to get into the voice actors. Um, because I really like some of these guys that they have playing here. Roger Craig Smith, uh, he was the voice from Batman Arkham Origins. And Tony Hale from Veep and Arrested Development. He's Buster Bluth. Like, hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hearing his voice as Joker cracked me up. I just wanted to go, mother, you know, like, oh, it was. Yeah, I think that is hilarious. I'm excited to have Saf see this and see what he thinks about it. But to have. Buster actually voiced Joker this time. He did a pretty good job of it. It was an interesting take on Joker. I mean, you can't top Mark Hamill ever, but, but I mean, he it was did, an interesting take. He on sold it. the whole psychotic, like crazy mm-hmm. personality. I think he did a really good job, but it's, yeah, like you said, it's never going to be Mark Hamill, but he did a really fine job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they lead this impressive cast as the voice of Batman and Joker, respectively. And Greg Griffin from the Scooby-Doo franchise, she was she did Daphne since, I think, 2001. So anytime you hear Daphne in the past 20 years, it's been this Greg Griffin. Mm-hmm. And Tara Strong, who is from Batman the Killing Joke, supply the voices and antagonists and protagonists, closest allies, Catwoman, and Harley Quinn. And I'm pretty sure Tara Strong, she also did... Um, Played Harley Quinn in Arkham Knight and Arkham City in those video games, as well as voiced uh-huh. her in Injustice 1 and 2, those video games. Okay. I don't know. Have you seen the storylines from those? We could probably do a whole thing on the Injustice the Injustice. The video games is about the, the farthest game. that I've played. Yeah. It's produced by the Mortal Kombat people. They yeah. put it together. And I know there's a huge like comic story arc yeah. for the whole thing. There's 20 or 30 different comics mm-hmm. on the whole thing, which I heard was amazing. No, it, the video games are pretty cool. The, yeah, yeah, the video games are really cool, too, but... Yeah, I'm not 
super familiar with the story arc, but I've heard of it. Yeah. You should check it out. It's pretty good. You can, instead of playing the game, you just watch all the cutscenes. Somebody on YouTube yeah. splices them all together. It's like an hour and a half, almost two hours. It's like watching the whole really? movie. Yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. That's how I watch it. I've never played the game. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the story. Well, hell, I should just, I'll just go do that. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. We should probably do a whole episode on that. But anyway, so that voice is very familiar, which um, she did a great job with that too. And then Fred Tessacori. He's the guy from Family Guy. He was the gruff yet sophisticated tones of Gorilla Grodd. I recognize his voice as one of a character on Family Guy that he supplies a lot of those voices. Uh, a villain who must team up with Batman to achieve his own personal agenda. Other voice actors include the Bat Family members Yuri Lowenthal from Ben 10 Omniverse. I've heard of that show, but I know it's been redone 15 times. Mm-hmm. So he was Robin. Adam Krodsell from Rain as Nightwing and Alfred. Do you know that show Rain? It's on the CW. My sister watched it. I, believe. I had um, to look it up. I had no idea what it was. I heard of it. I don't, it's, um, I don't know, some fantasy. It's like a poor man's Game of Thrones. Is what it looks yeah, like. that's what it looks like to me, too. <laughs> it's like, oh, medieval times. Let's fight Fantasy. for the throne. Yeah, a bunch My of females. Queen. Yeah, whatever. And this one was really funny. And Will Friedel from Boy Meets World, he was Eric Matthews. Oh, nice. <laughs> he voiced Red Robin. I never noticed it because unless he went, <laughs> but he didn't. Uh, and Rogue's Gallery also features Tom Kenny, who was the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. He was the penguin. What? If you didn't pick up on that. No. Tom Kenny is a voicing god amongst people um he has voiced so many different characters in anything pretty much any cartoon it feels like tom kenny's in it and you can pick up his hints of spongebob and other characters i mean he's i had no idea so many things yeah so i i picked that up real quick i'm like oh that's tom kenny it's spongebob it's penguin that's funny um and then eric bauza the adventures of puss in boots as two-face i'm not sure who he played in puss in boots but anyway and doing double duty is Tatas Skiori as Deathstroke, <laughs> Strong as Poison Ivy, and Friedel as Red Hood, as we said. I'm just repeating myself now. So, um, One tidbit about Roger Craig Smith. Mm-hmm. Also from him voicing Batman Arkham Origins, I knew him. I'm like, I know that name before and I know that voice. He voiced in my favorite assassin's creed he voiced Ezio Aratore, de oh, awesome! so he voiced Ezio and all those and i just loved his i, I just loved Ezio as a character and it, it, roger craig smith has voiced so many different things um but he's forever known for me as Ezio. so that was really cool to see that he's voicing batman in this that's cool that you can make those connections to the voices and where, where they've been before i've been really getting in all these voice actors who do all these things and just recognizing different voices in the whole world of anime it's really neat anytime i watch a new one that's dubbed by any english person it's usually the same 15 to 20 people Mm -hmm. who do a lot of the voices in these dub studios with these same voice actors so i can really pick up on who who comes in and who are you it's like well that sounds like that character from that show or that sounds like this character and i look it up i have to pause the show look it up on my phone be like (laughs) yes i was right so now i can recognize some of these voice actors and it's really cool yeah how they can change their voices and just play different characters yeah, it is i mean it's a whole art form and i love it with all these voice actors and cartoon shows and any of these type of shows that you get a real life actor in there and they just stumble through it they can't read script they can't do this it's they're more on camera and they just look at these guys who are just so comfortable in front of a microphone and it's just well, you it's look unbelievable at these real life actors and they're a lot of times they're just playing like themselves. 
but yeah. like a uh, different, like a character name is different or their profession is different. You get behind a microphone and you got, you're like a totally different person. Yeah. They have no like, idea what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And they, they have no idea what they're doing. Like, well, I'm just used to like doing my own, you know, normal real life d- duties on screen. And that's yeah. good enough. It's completely different. Yeah. So I, it's a whole new world out there. It's pretty cool. Maybe if we go into this anime branch a little bit deeper, further out, um, I can jump into a bunch of different voice actors. Yeah, well, One Punch Man is oh, on Hulu one, and I Netflix. I love One Punch Man. So there's a possibility there. I know that second there. season is either out or coming out. I think it's already out, and I haven't. That may be the next thing I'm going to go watch once I get done with work. Yeah. Well, do you want to... That was speaking of voices. Do you want to jump into the beer now and then get into the plot? Yeah, let's do the beer now. I'm kind of thirsty. Right. I'm getting pretty thirsty. My mouth is getting dry just hearing you and... <laughs> and <laughs> Talking about these voice actors. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I jumped into it. No, you're fine. Uh, it's just one of these things. It's the, yep. the Keith and... This is your and realm. Pale's here, too. Um, show. All right. Well, let's do a roll reversal, Pale. You want to tell us what beer we got? Sure. We already have it poured in front of us, so we're good to go. Yeah, so our, for our in beer, we have Blood and Bullets from Mad Anthony Brewing. Blood and Bullets is a double IPA. Not for the faint at heart, this double IPA is loaded with character. Just for fun, we combined the Australian hop green bullet and fermented the beer with blood orange puree, making sure this one comes out guns a-blazing. This beer comes in at 8.2% ABV and 75 IBUs. The geek IBU we have on this is bingo balls. Number of balls in a standard game of bingo. <laughs> I don't know. Saf had it on the document, so I'm going with it. So. What? It's just, I don't know. We may update that one once we find more I didn't know things, balls but... were involved in bingo. Yeah, if you never seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you rolled the thing. Yeah. The, yeah you pulled the bingo balls out. That's a lot of balls. B. <laughs> it's okay, like B4. Cool. B4. B4. C29. <laughs> There's no C. You got to spell bingo. Oh, oh I spell bink, bingo. Bingo. B-I-N-G-O. All right. Um, yeah, weird reference, but. Oh, we forgot the the color. The Geek SRM. Well, we're getting to that. Oh, okay. We always do this first, and now we jump over to the Geek SRM. I have that pulled up already. I don't have that pulled up yet. Well, while you're pulling it up, don't have the backlight of the sun as we normally do. But this one is definitely orange. Hence the whole blood orange. So I think we're going to be down. And on our Vaname, we could go number eight here. I'm getting close. Gokuski. God, why, why are these so far to find? I got it on my phone. No. I'm just going to resort to my phone to find this geek well, SRM. Well, here. I already told you what I think of it. What I think it is. Ooh. It could be a little bit oranger or a little bit lighter. It's hard to tell. I think it's definitely orange, but it's a lighter orange. It is. It's um, seven through nine is you could probably couldn't go wrong with any any of those. Should we do eight just to just to even it out? Just even it out. Yeah, we'll do Goku's. Go right down the middle of seven and nine. Goku's gi. Definitely, there will be a future Dragon Ball Z episode. Just whole Dragon Ball. I could do a whole series podcast just on that. I'm sure there's enough out there. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely branch out into that. All right, the smell. It's definitely hoppy. I know we have already been sipping just a little bit. Because instead of four of us with two of us, it's kind of hard to... Yeah, I'm getting a lot of the blood orange. 
on this. Yeah. Hoppy for sure. Yeah, you can definitely get that fruit. That blood orange. Have you heard of Green Bullet before? Nope. I have I, not. See, every time every time we get a new beer, something new comes up to me. Green Bullet, Crazy Horse, Wild Turkey. Well, apparently it's a headphone company too. The workhorse variety from New Zealand. So it's a New Zealand hop. So I guess it's just from New Zealand. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is there any like characteristics on it? Um, Try and find it. It's just telling me I can buy it for 85 <laughs> bucks. Oh my. I think that's a lot though. Uh, came into the world about 1972. Acid breakdown. This is boring. You can substitute with and for Liberty, Willamette, Mount Hood, Styrian Goldings. I've heard of Liberty and Willamette and Mount Hood, I'm pretty sure. Common beer styles using green bullet hops. Bitters, IPAs and pale ales, porters and stouts, pilsner, lagers, golden ales, so pretty much everything. Okay. Uses only green bullet, so there's quite a few. Uh, Green bullet from Mountain Man Brewing Company. Green bullet pale ale from Thirst Class Ale Brewery. Hallelujah from Triple FFF Brewery in the UK. So, wow, there's quite a bit here. Yeah. Probably sounds like a pretty standard Pretty hop. standard hop that must be Just gives elsewhere. you, like, yeah, just a general hop, bitter character to it. And maybe a little bit of uh, citrus. Who knows? Well, what about the taste? It's smooth. It's definitely gotten warm, which mm-hmm. I think has really mellowed it out. And as we were saying, kind of brings the fruit out a little bit more. Yeah, like the, the blood orange comes out a lot more. A lot of the taste and flavors is like up front mm-hmm. I'm getting. And then it kind of goes out kind of smooth at the end. But like everything is up front in your face. Uh, the hops, the the orange. Um, it is really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, does, it, it drops off. It doesn't kind of linger. Some of these sometimes can, you know, leave like a little burn or like an aftertaste. Right. You definitely get the the bitterness, though. The bitterness is sitting with me. The back and sides of my tongue, I can really feel that. Feel that. Mm-hmm. Just the bitterness of drinking a true IPA. But it is a double IPA. So, I mean, we got a lot of hops here that we're dealing with. And 75 IBUs is pretty potent. Mm-hmm. And what, uh, 8.2%? Doesn't mm-hmm. really come through much. It's no, kind it doesn't. Of, it's kind of hiding behind the the juice, the blood orange. Yeah, the juice really saves it there. Mm-hmm. Looking at some of the reviews, uh, Beer Advocate gave this one a 3.69 out of 5. A good ranking. Hmm. And they're good. It says only available in fall. Mm, lies. <laughs> Spring, and I just got it. You just got it in May. Uh, the guy said, got this on tap, served in a snifter. It says double, but looks light and clear, more like a single. Taste of blood orange present, and taste is more like a double than the look or smell. I can't pick up much at all there. Hot present, strong, and has a nice earthiness. Overall, drink easy with a clean mouthfeel. Aw, pal. We haven't heard mouthfeel from you in a while. This guy had to do it. I'm trying to cut back. <laughs> It's this really strong addiction. I'm trying to break it. Putting too many things in your mouth. <laughs> yes. I'm putting less things in my mouth these days. Oh. I also found on Rate Beer, 
Um, it says a 3.16 out of 5, and that's only out of 2 ratings, so not a whole lot of people rated this one. But the ones that did uh, tap a couple months ago at the brewery pours a hazy light copper color with a lingering off-white head. Has a nice citrus hop aroma. The flavor is, as expected, all about the hops, bitterness. This one's lighter than some of the malt than some on the malt backbone. The citrusy hop flavors strike me as almost pithy. It's still good, though. Not one of the better IPAs that I've had. Mm-hmm. Untapped, 3.69 out of 927 ratings. Uh, three of my buddies had this. I'm not going to spoil yours <laughs> like I did the one time. Brad Penning, uh, four out of five. That was in 2017, probably one of the first batches. Because I know, I kind of remember when this first came out. Yep. Um, it's Just probably been about two years, years now. Yeah. Um, Chad W., guy I work with, three and a half hmm. back in 2016. So... Not bad. No, yeah, not I bad. I think that's right when the, the juiciness, this craze and whatnot kind of picked up maybe. Yeah, this was before like the New England styles started. Yeah, so this was like, I think it went from like West Coast to let's just add juice to it and then let's just freaking kill it with, you know, gallons of juice. Yeah, let's just freaking um, start double and triple dry hopping it. Oh, yeah, and then it was just like, it exploded. And then start adding, like, lupulin or, you know, stuff to, like, smooth it out and give it even more of a juicy mouthfeel. Yeah. I hope you said lupulin. I thought you said rufalin there. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you, what you had to my drink? <laughs> it's the Pale Podcast now. <laughs> Keith's on the floor. <laughs> You can finally talk now, Pam. <laughs> yes! Got that guy to shut up. But yeah, I kind of see what they're saying. It's kind of a good mix in between different styles. I mean, if they tweak the recipe a little bit, they could do it a little bit more, but I don't think they want to because it's unique enough with that super bitterness, and there's a lot of people that just want bitter, bitter, bitter. Because I know Matt Anthony, they're pretty good at bringing out their super bitter ones like Hop Loco that they brought out, and then they... Um, they had another one that was just like 150 IBUs or something. They just loaded that one up. It's like super hoppy. I forget what it is. But I think Hop Loco replaced it. Um, and that's over 100 IBUs. I mean, they like their hops there. So they're really yeah. kicking it up. But this is unique. I do. I like it for what it is. It's just like a like a single hop, um, double IPA with uh, juice added. Yeah. So f- for what it is, it's it's really good. You could probably do more with it add a little bit to it, um, expand it, but you don't really need to. I don't think so. No, I think Mate Anthony's probably very pleased with this. Yeah. Um, it's very refreshing. Uh, it's a nice summer beer. Um, drink it like up on the side of the pool or something. Yeah, definitely. It's a little bit stronger, but it still goes down smooth enough that it's like super light, easy drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you more really, I... You really got to like the hoppiness, though, because I know a lot of people don't like the bitter beer, so... No. And the more I drink it, the more the blood orange comes out. It really does. Yeah. And so it's like the, the hop bitterness kind of starts to mute, be muted a little bit, and then the, mm-hmm. the blood orange comes up a little bit. The smoothest stays there the whole time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that Saf and I, he could probably correct me if he was here, but I think we had a firkin of this one downtown at JK's. Um, it was a special tapping... And we went there, and they just had a small little firkin of it, and it was it was amazing because it you think it's smooth now, 
and that firkin, it was a lot smoother, and I think it brought out more of the juice, and it really held back a lot of the bitterness. So it was like drinking blood orange. Wow. And it wasn't as bitter. But, I mean, yeah. blood orange in itself is bitter, and you add the double hops into it. So it's like, what are we really tasting here? Is it right. the, the blood orange bitterness, or is it the hops? But we know it's a double IPA, so who knows? It's a little bit of everything, so it's really that. But that firkin was firkin good. Um, <laughs> that, it was really good. My first time, do that one again. My first time having this was at Pint and Slice when we were uh, doing oh, Dustin's yeah. uh, bachelor party. Oh, yeah. Remember when we went to That's Hoppy right, Nome first? Then we walked over to Pint and Slice. Yeah, absolutely. Got some pizza, and they had they just like tapped the blood and bullets, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, that was a very fun and interesting day. And that <laughs> is all that will be said. <laughs> don't, don't worry, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> Pale's good at spoiling things, but I'll stop him. <laughs> yeah, not today. <laughs> uh, so you want to rate this one? Yeah. I don't even know what I rated it last time. Just have you read it. Oh, it might help if I get on the right beer, and not our next one that we haven't had yet. Oh, Untap doesn't have howlers as serving styles. Mm-hmm. Does it have a growler? They do have growlers. I would probably put it as a growler. then. A mini growler. Mini growler. I checked it in, and I went up a score. I went up one tick. Oh, you ticking? I'm ticking right now. I'm ticked off. Oh, shoot. <laughs> All right, pal, what'd you give it? All right, so so the first time I had this, I went three and a half. I went up a tick. I'm going 3.75. Mm, okay. Um, I think this is a really refreshing and juicy beer. Um, it's not... It's before the New England, so it doesn't have um, the big like bitter hop plus juiciness. In my opinion, it's it's this more juicy um, and more smooth, and um, it's pretty fine the way it is. And uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I'm gonna keep mine the same. I gave it a four last time, and I'm gonna keep a four again here. The I really don't like the bitterness, but I really like that blood orange and just the sweetness of it. I've had a little different blood orange things in the past. And it's a unique enough flavor. It's a unique enough blend that I wouldn't mind going back and getting another holler of this anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, right, yeah. Or just since I'm a Mug Club member there, you know, just grab a pint of it any night of the week and drink several of them. I mean, even at 8%, it's it's very smooth, very easy drinking. And that's what's really good for me. The lower rankings for me, if I sip it, if it's one I have to sip and just like, ugh, I got to power through the bitterness, the flavor, and everything else, then, you know, it's going to be a little bit less. But this, as bitter as it is, and I'm not a fan, um, the sweetness really helps to offset and really bring that up to me, that this one is very easy drinking. So that really is what saved it for me. So I'm keeping my rating as a four. Very good. Yeah, this is basically, this is almost a chugging beer. <laughs> isn't it it is it, yeah i just keep you drinking, it and drinking it because the more you drink it you your mouth gets used to the hops i mean that's what most of these beers are a lot of people quit after the first sip it's like no 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 you got to keep drinking mm. get your mouth used to it and then yeah it really comes to life all right you want to tell us about the plot of the movie pal sure getting back to batman here batman ninja you do not forget about batman ninja the plot i'll read a little bit about it Batman Ninja takes a journey across the ages as Gorilla Grodd's time displacement machine transports many of Batman's worst enemies to feudal Japan. 
along with the Dark Knight and a few of his allies. The villains take over the forms of the feudal lords that rule the divided land, with the Joker taking the lead among the warring factions. As his traditional high-tech weaponry is exhausted almost immediately, Batman must rely on his intellect and his allies, including Catwoman and the extended Bat family, to restore order to the land and return to present-day Gotham City. So that's pretty much the movie in a nutshell here. So it starts out very quickly with Gorilla Grodd, and they're in the middle of Arkham Asylum, and everyone's fighting, and Batman shows up, and Grodd, whatever, transports something, everyone back into time, including Arkham Asylum itself, and Batman is kind of, like, delayed getting there. Mm -hmm. So he's, like, trying to escape it or whatever it is, and he eventually gets consumed in. So those... 30 seconds or 20 seconds later that Batman got sucked into the time warp translated into two years when Batman finally showed up in the past. Oh, wow. So that's why when he first showed up, these samurais came out with their swords and they were wearing Joker masks. So he goes, how is the Joker already here and whatnot? So I think like two years had already passed. So in those 20 seconds, so they were transported already there. I mean, time is really weird, but mm -hmm. I mean, you look at, you know, Endgame 2. Yeah. I mean, five hours in the quantum realm, five years passed exactly. out in the other world. So yep. same kind of concept here. So two years turned into 20 seconds. So Batman is like still trying to figure out what's going on. He was the last one transported there. They knew he was coming. They didn't know when. So that's kind of neat to think about that. So the villains are like, we got free reign. So they had two years to take over this, you know, feudal Japan area. Yep. And just totally dominate this ancient society. And so I guess Grodd's cool. plan was to remove all the villains so that he could have Gotham City to himself do what, I he, think so, yeah. do what he wants. And, um, and Batman ha happened to go with them, but later on. So now it's Batman left to deal with all these villains that Grodd sent to feudal Japan through this machine. I can't remember what... There was a name for it. I yeah. can't remember what they called it. I was reading up on it. Weird um, time machine. <laughs> yeah, just a weird time machine. So Batman runs into all of his allies. So I think he runs into Catwoman first. She recognizes him. And then he finds Alfred, which he was surprised that Alfred was there. So we're learning that anything within that mile radius or you know 50 yards, I don't know what it was, something around Arkham Asylum that whoever was there was transported. He didn't know Alfred was in the Batmobile or was there or something. So he was very surprised to see Alfred there, and it was neat. He had a little ponytail pulled back in his hair, <laughs> yeah. very ancient Japanese style. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Yep. Um, and he kept the Batmobile. He had everything. So Batman's all excited, like, all right, I got my equipment. I got this. Let's go take out Joker. So he does and drives and all his technology, and all of a sudden, I don't know where the hell this came from, Joker turns his mansion into a friggin' robot, and it has arms coming out, and I'm like, okay, now this is getting weird. Time travel number one, and we can deal with that. Yeah. And now we have, like, this now we have like, machine. Yeah, these mon these robotic houses and mansions, which was called Lord Joker, I Lord guess. Joker, yeah. yeah. So that was pretty neat. So trying to take out Batman, and he lost his, you know, Batmobile and everything else, and Joker was kind of winning because, I mean, it's like Batman's out of time, out of place. It's like this... This isn't how you're going to win. Right. Um, and then we find out that Batman is saved by the rest of his Bat family. 
that he didn't realize that everyone else was there. Robin, one, two, three, four, and five. So, yeah. I mean, Nightwing, Red Robin. Regular Robin. Regular Robin, which was Damian Wayne at the time, I'm pretty sure. He was the one currently being Robin. And then yeah. Red Hood. Red Hood, yes. That was the other one. So Red Robin, Red Hood, um, normal Robin, and Nightwing, the original Robin. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> oh, the whole freaking family's here. Um <laughs> So that was pretty neat to see that. So they're all kind of working together. And what I really liked about it is that Batman had to rely on his intellect and his allies. He's been so used to his technology. So it's like he had to go back to the basics. And this is where I think the writing of this really came to be where you can't take, you know, the American style of Batman and what happens if you put him into ancient Japan? What's going to happen? Well, you can't have Batman fight in that style, he has to adapt to it. Right. Um, and that's always been his greatest ability, is the ability to adapt. And that's the only thing I didn't like about it, is that he seemed like a a weakling. Batman did, like he gave up very easily. And right. He, he, he relied on the four Robins to help him out. Like, eh, this isn't the He Batman acted like he I was know. out of his element, and like, it's like, you're smarter than that. You can yeah. You can figure this out. So and I think they played him off as a little bit being weak. A little weak. bit weak, yeah. But when we'll talk about it here in just a little bit, I think that was because they gave the rights to the Japanese style, and it was more of he had to find himself to be the hero once again. That's always that Japanese style of bringing the hero back. Right. Um, but I'm like, no, that's not our Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's not the American no, Batman. He's the one know. saving them, not saving himself. But, I yeah. mean, it was an interesting take on it. I'm not upset, but... Um, I was just like it was a just, little put back by that. Yeah, it was a little weird to see like how they they kind of changed his like the way he would do things in Gotham, and he's not doing it here for some reason. And yeah, so and then so they really team up and they he becomes one with the universe. I don't know how whatever they want to call that. And I mean, oh, what was really neat? That's where they come to find out that there was an ancient clan called the Bat Clan. And they have been awaiting his arrival, like it's been prophesized. Mm. Like the Batman will come, <laughs> and I'm like that. That part was really cool. So they look to him, and they're all bowing to him. So he has this whole slew of like ninjas right off the bat, like Master, we've been waiting on your arrival. Like what? So yeah, it that was, was pretty really cool. cool. Yeah, it was, like, it was a that. prophecy of some sort. So they they do anything to help him out. So with those type of allies. And then Robin with his stupid little monkey friend. That's so Japanese. You get a little friend pet animal monkey or something that's going to be so friendly Disney and funny. that's Disney-like, too. Like, Disney yeah. does that shit. They do, do but they? that that's also Japanese. There's always that in anime. There's really? Always, I mean, look at Pokemon. I mean, they just... Oh, yeah. And that all into about cutesy little animal stuff. And, yeah, all about humans usually, and their pokey animals. Pokemon. <laughs> what you say? Pokey anal. <laughs> pokey animal. <laughs> pretty sure you said pokey anal. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't say anal. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Okay, frighten me there. <laughs> Poke their anals. <laughs> Poke their anals. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, it, it was really weird to see all that. So, to see all the bad guys fighting against each other as they're all trying to take over. I mean, if you know your history of feudal Japan, this was the time where all the warring factions, they were going against each other. So that was neat to see that that was the time period they went in. And so all these villains joined the different clans and just decided, I'm going to be the one to control it all. Obviously, Joker being the best out of all of them. But it was still pretty neat to see them all go against each other. Mm -hmm. 
and Grodd just kind of took a back seat. And Batman had to go find him and ask him for help. And, of course, Grodd double-crossed him then yep. trying to... He just was using Batman so he could defeat Joker, so he could then take over. That so, happened a I couple mean, times, the double-crossing. Then, then the, like, the Joker double-crossed the Glor- Grodd at one point. Yeah, at yeah. one point, yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of that stuff going back and forth. Yeah. But what was really neat to see that there was that scene where um, Joker and Harley Quinn, like, they took some type of antidote or whatever it was, like, through that explosion that happened on the boat, and then they woke up, had no idea who they were, like, this is my wife, we're running a farm, we're not the Joker, but you could tell it was him, but he was speaking normally. Harley Quinn was normal. Like his face paint was gone. Yeah. He looked older too. Much older, yeah. Much older. She like seemed normal, and they were planting these like flowers. The flowers, yeah. And they're just trying to be simple farmers. Yeah. And but Red Hood said, "No, it's Joker." And Batman's like, "No, we must let them be." Yeah, yeah, let them be. They don't remember. I went more Kevin Conroy there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So did they know about the what they were planting? Did they know that was going to help them bring the memory back? Yes. Okay. They, they, they were counting on that because in order to fool Batman, that's what I love about this. Joker had to say, in order to fool him, I had to you know really become normal, otherwise, Batman wouldn't have believed. And that's what he was telling Red Hood in that whole beautiful art sequence. I mean, the whole movie itself is just gorgeous, but this this was a very different style, like watercolor just motion moving. It was very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, Batman could see it in his eyes. He goes, that crazy wasn't there. Like, I've known, I know this man better than anyone else. Like, he's different. He yeah, has he, changed. And he really did. But what, yeah. what was so funny is that what they were planning, it was all part of the plan the entire time. Mm-hmm. That he knew there was this little joker gas. You pull the plan up and it was going to explode. And return him back to the Joker. So they were counting on that to happen because he like, knew that Batman would forgive him. And the, like, put the lipstick on or whatever, like on his yes. lips, the red come back, and then he, that was the so eyes cool. will go up. And, oh, yeah. Man, that was, that was awesome. I think that was by far the best scene in this whole movie. I was like, he's back. It's like, oh, it was so cool. Because I was convinced to him, like, oh, shoot. What happened? Like, yeah. I, I believe Batman here. And he really did. I mean, it wasn't uh-huh. the truth. So, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, a little fallback with that. So that was really cool. And then um, they really team up, and then it turns into Power Rangers, where all the different warring factions bring their giant mansions, their Shogun temples up. I think that's what they're called. Their Shogun temples all transform into these giant Megazord things, and they battle their robots with one another. And It was like Pacific Rim, where yeah. um, you have like the humans inside of the... We can't whatever they're called the big robots and they're mm-hmm. controlling them like they're using their fists to punch and they're they're kicking the robots are kicking and whatnot and that's what it reminded me of a little bit of Power Rangers too yeah well Power Rangers is Japanese so that's why I was going yeah. with that so that's you know, that mm-hmm. whole style so it's like they pulled a little bit of everything in this and that was really neat to see and then it got really weird because Batman could talk to bats and the monkeys can call monkeys and they can form giant Batmans and they just take the form and they just know collectively to punch. 
So these Joker robots was fighting a collection of bats and monkeys put together. So I don't know how many bats and monkeys were dying in well, like that the, battle, but it was really weird. Supposedly the, all the monkeys come from Gorilla Grodd. Mm-hmm. He, he let Batman borrow all his monkeys, yeah. friends or whatever. So they all come together and form this one gigantic monkey like Megazord thing. Yeah, and it's like, this is so weird. It, like, it, what is happening? <laughs> and then, like... I really like the music too. Oh yeah, like, like the music was pretty epic. It just kind of puts you into that, like uh, you know, the, like the good guys are gonna start, are gonna win, and mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was awesome. It was pretty cool. And then finally, after that big battle, then what we were all waiting on was the samurai sword battle on top of the temple between Batman and Joker. That was pretty badass. That whole scene was amazing. That, yeah, that was probably. The, Second best scene, if you want to mm-hmm. say the the whole Joker losing his memory, the Joker, yeah. all that was like, yeah, this was the second best that sword battle. Yep, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then that was pretty much it. Then they they get their little pods back. Each one of the warring factions took one of the time pods. I forget what they were, the reactors. So they had to put all the reactors back together so they could all go back in time because Joker had the time machine, um, but all the pods got scattered. So that's why Batman, they were defeating everyone and get all the pods back together so they could all go home. And they did. So, and that was pretty much the movie. <laughs> oh, and then we learned that Going through the plot. Ninja Batman still won't kill. He didn't kill the Joker. Yes, that's true. He, he saved uh, him at the end. He, he let him go. He let him go, but he, of course, had to grab him and bring him back nah, up. I can't do I can't, it. yeah, I just can't do it. Mm. You're too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um... What was really neat and what I found out about this, um, that there's a difference between the English dub, which is what we heard, versus the original Japanese version. So if you know then anime terms, a dub is where you dub English words over it so you're listening to English actors. There's English sub, which is English subtitles. Um, and then, of course, just the, the pure Japanese version. So those are usually yeah. the three versions that okay. are out there. And I know a lot of people didn't know that. I figured you did. Or yeah, did, I, but I, for anybody I figured that listening. was like the, the three that they do. Yeah. Um, so Chu, who was one of the directors, I believe, in this, it says the Japanese version is different. He says all the visuals are exactly the same in the movie, but the dialogue is maybe 90% different. Chu and Garcia said they didn't even have a general outline of Batman Ninja's plot, much less a detailed script throughout the movie's production, including when they wrote the English language version. That stemmed from the differences between Western and Japanese animation processes, they said. In Japanese animation, the writing and acting typically come at the end of the anime process, where in the Western process, the writing comes at the beginning because the anime is so art and visually driven. So you start getting storyboards and animation before you know what exactly the story is. So a lot of our job was trying to cobble it together to figure out how pieces fit together and what people could be saying. So the Japanese process is based more like the manga. Garcia said, manga is just a visual storytelling. There isn't even that much dialogue. So in anime, it's done completely backwards than in America. So let's write the script. All right, let's get the voice actors in. We'll do the voicing. We'll dub it. And then... And then, then we'll, we'll start working on later. the animation yeah. we'll to, to the match animation. up with like the dialogue. Exactly. And it's like totally backwards. In Japan, they focus on the art and say, we create the art, and that's why the mouth is usually the only thing that moves, because they can fix that later. Yeah. Um, so that part comes into a different. So it was difficult for these guys, so they couldn't take what was already there, because there was just pictures. And they're like, 
where's the script? And like, oh, we don't have one. We're still creating the art. And it's like, <laughs> it's so backwards. And that's why yeah. it's like 90% different. So I'm very excited. I have not seen the Japanese version. So I'm going to go back and see it with the different subtitles. But as they said here, uh, Warner Brothers was very, very hands-off. Chu said they really wanted the Japanese team to make it very authentically anime. And our job was to make it authentically Batman, which was so cool. And there was an enormous amount of trust from the Japan team on us. They were just like, go do your thing. Mm. Go make it Batman. Go do your thing. We'll do our thing. And it's like two completely different stories, but it looks the same. So it's like an American take on it from Batman versus Japanese. Reading a little bit more into that interview, he said, I don't know, it was like really bizarre that Batman, and you watched the interview too, um, that they had to, not just put Batman in Japan, but let Japan like take Batman and let Japan turn Batman into what Japan thinks Batman's going to be. Right. So it wasn't just like, you know, bring the Batmobile 500 years into the past or a thousand years into the past and try to figure out all these different things. So it was really neat to see these two different cultures blend together to create something completely different yet completely beautiful. Well, they so. kept they kept saying we try to be very careful. Like when we, we were giving this character and we were giving the American art on his character and now it was our job to bring it into a Japanese mm-hmm. cult- culture, give it like Japanese clothing and armor and but not try to like take away from like what Batman is like looks like, like what he actually, you know, wears and over in America and but just try to add to it and make it more Japanese like. So it was funny, they just kept saying we're being very careful and respectful. <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of respect, I think, for both yeah. both of the genres there. And, I mean, I, I really liked it, putting it together, and just to see Batman in different contexts. Me coming from that Japanese style with anime, I was very excited to see both these worlds, because I love Batman, mm-hmm. and I love anime, so putting them together, I'm like, this is so cool, seeing it these really, worlds it collide. It really worked so well. It really, it was really awesome. And I think a lot of good reception came from it, too, if you want to tell us about it. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an approval rating of 80% based on 15 reviews, with an average rating of 6.5 out of 10. Hmm. IGN awarded Batman Ninja a score of 9.7 out of 10, saying DC tried something new by bringing in visionary Japanese animators to offer a refreshing take on one of the company's most beloved characters, and the finished product not only built upon the great adaptations that had come before, but surpassed them. The film earned $403,930 from domestic DVD sales and $2,003,460... I fucked that all up. (laughs) Try that again. $2,346,251 from domestic Blu-ray sales bringing its total domestic home video earnings to $2,750,181. That's pretty neat. I never looked... I mean, we always look at box office records, but we usually don't go back and see what are the DVD sales, what are Blu-ray sales, what are the, yeah, the, I mean, the never, download streams. Right. But you know, now I don't think they include that anymore. But the physical sales, I mean, that was pretty cool to earn $2.7 million on DVD and Blu-rays. So there's still people buying this, and this came out... You know what, 2018? 2018, yeah. Yeah, so not that long ago. Mm-mm. So I thought that was pretty neat. That's why I wanted to include that. But overall, the visual art style, it is just so unique, that 3D style anime. It's very beautiful. 
it's almost like watching a video game a little bit with the 3D style, but it definitely has that traditional anime in it. Um, the, the different art styles, it's not all 3D, like that watercolor scene with Joker. Um, there's just so many different visual things happening. Like you just need to go back and watch it several times. I've seen it twice. Now I'm definitely going to go back and watch it in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really cool. I de- really de- recommend checking this one out for I, everyone. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I loved it. I thought, you know, the art was all fantastic. The animation where they, like, especially the fight sequences, like mm-hmm. the action where they would speed up sometimes and then they would like slow it down and like speed it back up and kind of come at like different angles and and just you know the way that they they shot the whole like fighting was really amazing in my opinion yeah um and like yeah the watercolors was really cool when they had that joker and harley harley quinn scene Mm -hmm. that was cool um yeah i this actually bringing me into anime it's getting me more into anime i want to check out more and i want to start comparing like yeah Start kind of like seeing what you know the best animes or what my favorites are versus ones that I could care less about, and so yeah, I recommend it for sure. Awesome, welcome to Anime Pale. I know <laughs> it's so cool. It just took Batman to get you there. <laughs> yeah, Pale, let's go. Just bringing one of my favorite characters, and and then yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm game now. Okay, well that was a lot about Batman. I think we may need one more beer before we move on to Godzilla. Yeah, let's do one more beer, and then we'll be ready to... Because I think we got a big, bad beer coming for a big, bad monster. (laughs) And, I mean, this beer is a monster. It's pretty potent. Yes. So we'll be right back with that big, bad beer. While we are getting the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Drink and Geek Out. Get all sorts of cool, fancy updates and pictures. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff over on our website at drinkandgeekout.com. And you can email us any comments or suggestions at drinkandgeekout at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content, and that is patreon.com slash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show. And we're back with our out beer. We are drinking Big Bad Baptist by Epic Brewing Company out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Big Bad Baptist is a whiskey barrel-aged imperial stout. Stout with cocoa nibs and coffee added and aged in whiskey barrels. Ooh. This is a 12.1% ABV, 65 IBUs. Geek IBU is Alakazam, number in the Pokedex. Alakazam, <laughs> the psychic Pokemon. Beer Advocate gives us a 4.36 out of 3,900 ratings, which is an outstanding score. Wow. Rate Beer, 100 overall, 77 style, 4.02 out of 789 ratings. Damn. I think that's kind of low, 77 style. How, yeah. how many styles do you usually Three. see like this? That's true. Well, chocolate, coffee, whiskey, barrel aged. I mean, there's a lot. We've had quite a bit. I don't know. We haven't tasted this one yet. So. Yeah. Untapped, 4.21 out of 97,000 ratings. And we'll get into some of our friends that have tried this. And mm-hmm. What do we got here on the bottle? The bottle, we have a bomber. And it's an actual paper label. It feels kind of nice, but I know we kind of let this one sit out to get room temperature a little bit. 
Um, so it's a little bit rippled right now, but it has, I believe, it looks like like John the Baptist on here with the whole big bad Baptist. Not to get all biblical here, but it has like a little cross going on and a little bearded guy looks like Jesus. So I'm yeah. like with the wheat and the grains of wheat and stuff in the background. Yeah, I or the malts, and he's got a little. Uh, oh, what do you call it? A little German. You pop the top on it. What do you call those? Oh, it's my elbow. Oh, damn. Oh, that did not sound good. It didn't. Do you see it? A stein? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. A stein. Yeah, like a, a beer stein. Yeah, when it yeah. has the little top that it opens. It has the top. I think it comes at the point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a little... Uh... Saf had one and uh, that would put a Keystone can in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. that over at his old house. Yeah, this does resemble Jesus a lot. I'm thinking John the Baptist, uh, John the, since it's Big Bad Baptist. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's going for. But that's like kind of off to the side, and then the big words, Big Bad Baptist, and then I think the beer description's underneath. Yeah, it just says... A giant epic. Yeah, stout with cacao nibs. Cacao! And, and coffee added, and Asian whiskey barrels. It says uh, Exponential Series. I don't know if that's some kind of barrel-aged well, series that they made me I know did. you're a fan of this when you went to go pick this up, I believe. I don't um, know. you. Where was it? Somewhere in New Haven. No, I found that at um, the uh, Fort Wayne Captain Cork, the new one over by Piers. Oh, that's right. I think I was with you because I told you that they had it. But I think, didn't you go when Baptist was on tap? Oh, yes, at yeah. uh, Treon Tavern in New Haven. They ha- I've been wanting to try it because mm-hmm. the guy at work is saying, and then this is an amazing beer. You can, if you can get your hands on it, go try it. And he was, as we once in a while, telling me, oh, you know, Big Bad Baptist is on tap here or down there. And he's like, oh, Treon has it. And I was like, well, I guess I need to, I'm going to go try it. And so I went out one night by myself. So sad. I know. I think <laughs> I was busy that night. I was going to come out, but I'm like, oh, um, I forgot. Tried the Big Bad Baptist. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think I had the Make America... Juicy again. again. Yeah, that was out there too. But mm-hmm. you said you also had like a Big Baptista. I think I, it was a tap takeover or something. They had like three or four different. So there's a little different styles. Big Bad Baptist, Baptista. So I know there's, I think that's part of the Exponential series. Maybe they just take it and throw it on whiskey barrels. Maybe that's what that sounds like. I mean, we could probably look it up. Salt Lake City. Yeah, so I'll I'll read just the short description on the Big Bad Baptista, which is I think part of this Exponential series. Big Bad Baptista is inspired by traditional Mexican coffee, Café de Ola, which is served with cinnamon and piloncillo and unrefined sugar. The cinnamon adds another layer of complexity and accentuates the earthy character of Mexican coffee. But more importantly, it captures the essence of a place and its culture. So really it's different kind of coffee or like different coffee and cinnamon added which mm-hmm. I heard um that one's just as good as this one. I really want to try that the Big Bad Baptista. Yeah. Um I'm not sure if it's on tap anywhere anymore. Um when I did get this bottle of the Big Bad Baptist uh the Big Bad Baptista was there was bombers at the Capen Cork and for some whatever reason I just never went back over there to get it. Oh. Yeah, so I need, we need to get that get that on the show, try it out. Just looking at their website here, it looks like uh, the different beers that they have. There's like 
stout number 99, stout number 88, stout number 113. So I don't know if it's like an every year type thing that they kind of expand. I'm very curious to find this out. It says it should be served in a snifter, the tulip white wine. And the pale's pairings I did find on here. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Hard cheese. Hard cheeses. <laughs> See? Yes. Cheese with every beer. Hard cheeses and dark chocolate desserts. I'm not going to eat cheese and freaking dark chocolate. Why would you eat dark time? chocolate with an already like heavy chocolate-ish beer? I don't know. This is so weird. But what's neat, I see a, they have a double barrel, a triple barrel, and a quadruple barrel. What? So I don't know how many whiskey barrels, but it sounds like maybe four that they have it stored in i don't know this is really weird we took barrel aging to a whole new level by aging shaved coconut almonds and blue coppers colombian coffee beans and fresh whiskey barrels while our imperial stout ages separately in both rum and whiskey barrels then our brewers hand blend each batch creating the most complex and outrageous version of big bad baptist we have ever made that's called the quadruple barrel big bad baptist so they store all the ingredients in their separate whiskey barrels and then hand mix them all together to create this giant mix. That's wow. friggin' awesome. That is incredible. But we have to try the original. That's what we have here tonight before we get ahead of ourselves. Right. But that's really cool. So this is part of that exponential series. I know a lot of these stouts, they seem to be doing that. Like they create this, the main one, and then it's like, what can we do different to it? Let's add this variant, this variant, this variant, do something different. Yeah, so that's just, pretty cool. I, we learned that just talking from Ben several weeks ago. He said he a lot of times he'll take his base beer that he does, like a, a rye or some sort of a pilsner, mm-hmm. and then he'll add some different things to it and just see what he can and experiment with that and do like a, a new beer, maybe add a style to it of some sort. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool. common thing. All right, let's but, look at the color, which I think we should know. I get a slight red holding it up to the light, but barely. Just, yeah, barely. Like hardly anything at all. Like this is... Dark as dark can be. That's what it looks what, like. What do we go up to, 60? Nah, let me look here. Uh, the darkest we have is the xenomorph ejected into space. <laughs> <laughs> and the right before that we have the Dark Knight at midnight at number 59. So, in honor of Batman, I think we should probably do the Dark Knight at midnight. Yeah, I like that one. It's almost there at number 60. So that's a good one. But there's just that hint of red. Yep. So you can see the glare in Batman's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> As he's ready to kill the Joker, but not really. Not really. <laughs> All right, what do we got for smell? Hmm. Smell like cacao nibs. Cacao. A little bit of coffee. Ooh, there's a the coffee. Ooh, yeah, giving it that swirl. That coffee really comes out. It's like chocolate coffee. Usually, a lot of these, you get a heavy, like, alcoholic... That scent, like that true whiskey. This is more smooth. Mm-hmm. More smooth and sweet type of smell. Yeah. That's really hitting the nose. Dang, pal. <laughs> Why have you been holding this beer out on me so long? I'm holding it just for you. Oh. You remember when we bought it and I said, I know. I'm not drinking this all by myself. <laughs> You're going to share this with me. Oh, this is so good. Maybe because we let this warm and get to room temperature. Those flavors are just bursting. I'm getting coconut. Are you getting any coconut? Yes, I am. A little bit of that coconut. But that may be the roasted coffee that's in it. 
to give it that sense of coconut because usually when I have coconut, it's in chocolate, so like an almond joy or something like that. Right. So that's kind of what it reminds me of. I think, which is weird, the whiskey has died like died down a little bit. Almost. Yeah, it has. Because when I had it out, aging. when I had it out on uh, on tap, the whiskey was very prominent, and it's kind of now everything else is kind of coming up the, the chocolate and the coffee um a little bit of coconut whatever that's coming from it's kind of weird how that how that's showing up i think it's the roastedness and it, it gives an effect of coconut i could yeah. be wrong i've only had like one sip so mm-hmm. that'll definitely probably mellow out here the more i drink get a little bit more of the whiskey the whiskey's coming yeah it's starting yeah. to come up now i think those flavors just kind of sat at the top so i think the more you drink it I don't know, maybe it mixes a little bit different. Because if they do it like they did that quadruple barrel I just read, that they're doing this stuff in separate barrels and kind of hand-mixing it all together, that maybe, I don't know, it could be their unique style of putting things together. Mm-hmm. I love that sweetness, though, it's up so front. It's so smooth, too. Man. But this is definitely a sipping beer. I mean, it's smooth. I've been taking bigger gulps, and I should might want to regret that, but... It's so damn good. But 12.1%, I believe you said. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're drinking a bottle of wine here. And that sweetness. Mm. I'm going to check uh, Beer Advocate and see if they have any descriptions. Yeah. yeah, or see if anybody left in a good review. One guy gave it a 4.43 out of 5. Had this on a 22-ounce bottle. Said dark brown to black color body. Oh, he sneezed in it? That's weird. <laughs> and he let out a big sneeze. <laughs> a thin mahogany edge when black backlit. Two fingers of light tan head, which stays around as a thick, bubbly cap, leaves behind an interrupted sheet of lacing. Oh, this guy's sneezing a lot. <laughs> Aroma of dark roasted malts with dark roasted coffee and slightly sweeter chocolate. Slight woody barrel note. Taste of whiskey soaked dark roast and malts with yep. dark roast, bitter coffee, and the sweet chocolate. Chocolate soaked aftertaste. Thick mouthfeel, mouth coating texture, good carbonation. This is a decadent treat of a stout beer. Has the components that could be too bitter or too sweet, but this is not the case here. The barrel is there, but not overwhelming. Higher ABV percentage is another component that balances well with the rest. The alcohol expresses but does not burn. Lends itself to a long drinking session because the beer continuously yields a positive experience. Mm. That's a really good write-up. That's a very good review. Yeah. Very fancy. Like you said, the the barrel age part of it is doesn't. It's not very prominent. No, it's not. And it's not like I don't feel like I have to sip this beer because of like the the whiskey uh, the burn. But uh, you feel like you don't have to, but you want but to. Because you, of the flavor. Yes. As he just said, you want to savor that. You want that flavor to last. I mean, this is good. I, this could be very dangerous as this is 12%, and I've taken bigger and bigger gulps each time as I'm loving it even more and more. I'm happy that whiskey is making a presence now. Mm-hmm. It just took a couple sips uh, just to get through the chocolate and the coffee. And, um, and now, now I can start to see the whiskey. Uh, yeah, it's so freaking good. But it's just enough of that bourbon. This is, if you ask me, this is what any bourbon barrel age should. 
I don't want to drink bourbon and I don't want to drink beer. I want a nice blend of the two. And usually with these bourbon barrel aged, you're drinking it like every sip's a shot of whiskey. Like, it's oh, burning absolutely. and it's going down. Yep. <laughs> but I don't know. This blends so well. But I can see why a lot of people are turned off by the sweetness. Because it is super chocolatey and sweet up front. And then a lot of people don't like that smoky, roasty coffee flavor that comes through. I love coffee. I love smoke flavor. I love that sweetness of the chocolate. And I love just that hint of bourbon. I'm hitting a lot of loves here. <laughs> Are we thinking... I don't know. I don't know. Upper but upper fours, maybe a five? We could. How about this? This beer's good. Let's get through something that's maybe not as good. And let's talk about Godzilla because we haven't even done that yet. So <laughs> I think we should get through Godzilla. This is a sipping beer. And I think we'll give our ratings... In just a little bit. Okay. I think we'll tease people to sit through this Godzilla. Because I'm curious to see what he gives us. I, I'm not decided. I need more time. I need more time. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into our Godzilla uh, part of the episode. It'll be short. Don't worry. It'll, yeah, it'll be short. <laughs> it's a three-part series, but so it'll if you be short. If you're not familiar with the Godzilla anime on Netflix, it's a three-part series. I think part one came out in 2017. It, it's all in that first paragraph. Okay, want to read so it. Well, I'll just jump right into it. <laughs> Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters, also known as Godzilla Part 1, Planet of the Monsters, and Godzilla Monster Planet, for short, is a 2017 Japanese computer animated science fiction kaiju film featuring Godzilla, produ produced by Toho Animation and animated by Polygon Pictures in associ association with Netflix. It is the 32nd film in the Godzilla franchise, the 30th Godzilla film produced by Toho, and the first animated film in the franchise. Which is pretty mind-boggling to think that it's like the first animated one in the Toho franchise, so that's pretty cool. It took forever, yeah. it feels like. It is the first film in the anime trilogy and is co-directed by Koban Shizuno and Hiroyuki Sashita. The film was released through yet theatrically in Japan on November 17, 2017, and, re and released worldwide on Netflix on January 17, 2018. It was followed by two sequels, Godzilla C City on the Edge of Battle and Godzilla the Planet Eater, released in Japan on May 18, 2018, and on November 9, 2018. So, kind of a good little background there with all this. So, 32 films in the Godzilla series, and I know in a picture that we're going to post online. I, I've been watching Godzilla my whole life. It all started for me, and I wish I could find that box. I know I have it somewhere, but I think it may be stored in a box somewhere, probably up in the attic. But it started with the NES game, the old Godzilla game for the regular Nintendo, if you remember. Um, we used to rent that game all the time growing up as kids. My brother would. So that was my first taste of what Godzilla is. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I can play as this monster. I could play as Mothra, this giant moth, and I can like shit all over things and it blows up. Or I could just push a button and atomically breathe on shit and it just blows up. I'm like, this is so cool. I love this game. And I get to fight monsters and punch and kick them. So that got me into Godzilla, and then I started watching all the rest of these movies and these Japanese movies, and I'm just the terrible acting, like, Hola, Godzilla, Godzilla, yeah. and, you know, this whole yep. thing. And So it was really neat to see all that. 
Um, but that's where, you know, my love of Godzilla stemmed from. So it started with that video game and it turned into, well, let's start watching these movies because they were on TV all the time. We had cable, like sci-fi would show all these old Godzilla movies. So I would watch them and, uh, yeah, it really picked up after that. And then it would really hit its point when America tried to turn it into, you know, the Matthew Broderick film or whatever, Godzilla 98, that was garbage, but you know. Yeah. That whole big thing, like, let's take something and turn it into something American. No, you shit all over it is what you did. You ruined um, it. It ruined it. Yeah. But, you know, that's what really hit it for me for Godzilla. I'm like, okay, let's go back to the old style Godzilla. So that's what really picked it up. So I thought when I saw this on Netflix and my, like, ooh, this is kind of anime. This has been in my list to watch for so long. But I'm kind of glad I waited because that third part just came out, I think, at the end of 2018. So around December that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So it just came out. So I'm like, well, we're not too far removed from it. So I'm glad I didn't start with the first one. Cause I know I probably wouldn't have gone back and finished. The rest. <laughs> but we definitely binge watched all it's three of these. It's a good thing that they we did, were able to do all three of them at once. Yeah. And that, it was it. good. It was good to do that, to, to watch them all together for sure. But yeah. So I kind of had some tidbits about Godzilla history. I don't know your Godzilla history, how well you grew up with it. Well, it, my dad basically got me into it. He he rented and purchased, you know, every Godzilla that he could find. You know, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Godzilla versus King Kong, Godzilla versus you, you know, you name it. Yeah. Mothra, uh, Ghidorah, all those, and and then he even like went out and like got movies that were like other monsters, like Japanese monsters fighting each other. Like uh, there was one called like the War of Gargantuas or something like yes. that. There was like an orange and a orange and brown mar monster of some sort. And There's so many monsters. Yeah, so he was all into that sci-fi stuff, and I I started watching and I started getting into it. So um, I didn't, I don't, I wasn't familiar with the video game though, the NES game. I wasn't familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, sounds like a lot of fun. Oh my <laughs> gosh, well, I'm gonna have to show that. You're to gonna you have to, to yeah. It's, that was my childhood right there, playing Godzilla. Ugh. It was so much fun. Yeah. And then I was really excited when the 2014 film mm -hmm. came out with uh, Walter White. Yeah. Um, and uh, I put that that's in one, that'll of, be in one of the pictures. Too. Yeah. So I was really excited because I thought they really um, did a good job bringing like who, who Godzilla was, like the whole the look of Godzilla, the design and everything and how he is. And yeah. So they they really went back and captured the Japanese style of Godzilla. It's like, you know, not Japan has it figured him. out. Yeah, don't try to modernize it. Let's Mod just yeah. keep them how it is. Yep. I know they've they've tweaked them in recent years, and there's been a little bit of backlash, but it's like every five years, like, we get a new Godzilla movie. But I know, um, speaking of new Godzilla movies, that is coming out this summer. Um, that one is part of our summer movie wager. little tidbit there. Mm -hmm. And I believe uh, after this week, we should be hitting everybody with an update. Early June? Is that when we said about, we were? About the week of June 1st yeah. or June 2nd or whatever. Because we'll, we're at the end of May right now. so We'll put an update out there. And we got an update coming up soon. I think we'll all know Dustin will be in the lead. Of course. Right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> we got to let him have his time. But he can never hang on to it. So I'm excited to see that Godzilla movie coming out. Um, I'll probably go see it in theaters once uh, work settles down a little bit. Probably head out and see that. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, movie. I, I, I definitely so want to I thought, see it. you know, this would be great segue into Godzilla movies. You know, this will be awesome. I'm excited to see this anime on Netflix. I think it'll be great. And yeah, you were, it left a lot to be it, desired. It left a lot to be desired. So 
Without further ado, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about the first movie. We'll kind of go through the plot lines. I'm not going to name characters, you know, through this because the well, characters. There was are only just, two major characters yeah. that you really cared about: Haru and side Yuko stories, or Yuki, yeah. whoever. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Would you like to read, or would you like me to? For the second movie, the the first one. Godzilla, oh, oh, I got Godzilla Planet of the Monsters. Yeah, um, I'll read it. After being driven from their home planet by Godzilla, a desperate team of refugees returns to Earth to take back humanity's home, led by the vengeful young Haru Sakaki. However, they find that 20,000 years have passed in their absence, and that the Earth is now a bizarre alien ecosystem ruled by Godzilla. They manage to defeat Godzilla by lowering his shield and stabbing him with an EMP and exploding his body. They find out that what was a smaller Godzilla and Godzilla Earth appears three times the size of the last one. We found out we find out it is the original one from twenty thousand years ago and has grown. Yeah, you could definitely tell I typed that. Yeah, was, so many errors in that. Because <laughs> I did not like that synopsis. I'm like, just tell the whole freaking thing because it's a lot faster to read this than to watch the movie. So yeah, um, I liked the story, the setup of it. That Godzilla just goes on a rampage and like literally destroyed the entire world, um, and to have it as the little kid, you know, that he was there to remember Earth, and that what's really bizarre is that we tried, they tried everything to kill Godzilla. They dropped what was it, 140 nuclear bombs or something, so many nuke bombs on it, and he just. He was there unfazed. Like they like, try to blow him up with yeah, with so many things. But of course, yeah. with all the nuke bombs, it screwed up the entire ecosystem and everything else. So Earth was collapsing. Godzilla's just coming around and destroying everything. So they're trying to get out to space, and then these alien races appear out of nowhere, out of our desperation, and say, "Come with us, and we will take you away, and we'll find a way to defeat Godzilla." Or I don't know. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. So they now all of a sudden we have space technology. We, these aliens literally take us from the planet. They've been wondering for hundreds of years, and then all of a sudden we join them And after their planet was destroyed, and we just go into the deep recesses of space and try to find you know, our home, a new home. A new home, yeah. To inhabit a planet. 20,000 years goes by, and well, there's nothing that they... What was neat, it was just, it, this is the part of time travel, and this is so true. Not so much time travel, but space travel is time travel. So you get away from Earth, and they've been drifting for 20 years. So in Earth years, they've been on that spaceship for 20 years. So they're running out of supplies and everything else. They thought they'd find a planet by then. And then Haru's grandpa and all the elderly decided, we'll stay on this whatever planet this is. We want to live on a planet. We want to stay here. Um so you guys can have your supplies. We're choosing, we're volunteering to literally stay here and die so you guys can go find your world. But we've been on this ship for 20 years. We're dying. We're old. We don't want to be on this <laughs> ship any longer. Um, so he, you know, he tried, Haru tried to hijack the ship and say, I'm going to blow everything else up. I want my grandpa back, blah, blah, blah. And the grandpa says, dude, let it go. We need to die. It's fine. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be on this ship any longer. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they were supposed to land, and then poof, they blow up in the atmosphere. I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> and he watched it, of course, from his jail cell. There happens to be a window like, hey, Grandpa! And this yeah. is where we learn Haru screams, and that's what he does throughout the entire thing. Like, <gasps> <"Gorgy Ra!" laughs> He's very angry. He's so angry oh, the whole gosh. time. Like, Grandpa's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's super pissed off the whole time. But so that kind of sets up the premise, and then they find out that Hiru, he like put this secret report out that they need to go back to Earth. We have a way. We know how to defeat Godzilla. Let's go back home and just live there again. Godzilla should be dead. So they make the hyper jump space drive, whatever you want to call it. You know, insert whatever space travel reference. Like you, you know, you got Star Trek, Star Wars, where they do the hyper drive. Hyper drive, hyperspace. Yeah. Yeah. So they go right back to Earth. And they estimate, which is true, when light travels that far. So if the further out in space you go and you come back, time moves slower from where you are and time will speed up from wherever you were gone. So they did the estimate and it was literally 20,000 years that they were gone, but they've only been gone 20 years. So that's really weird. Like you go for 20 and there's that whole time jump thing again. But when you travel that far back instantaneously, you're going to you know, speed up time. So the planet was completely overrun. The planet was inhabited by Godzilla-like creatures, so it all had its like weird armor. Um, the the plants were like super sharp metal. I don't know. It was really weird. Like they were trying to cut things, and they didn't touch the plants because they were like made out of Godzilla's tough armor. Right, yeah. And these weird flying Godzillas came to eat them, and I don't know. So it it was just bizarre to see all this. So they find out that there is that Godzilla. They find him. He blows up the drones. I don't know how that manages to happen. Like, oh, look, he found a drone, and he blew it up. Like, there's been a plant. Nothing been on the planet for 20,000 years, and all of a sudden some technology comes, and he finds it and blows it up. (laughs) It was super weird. But anyway. Yeah, it was all strange. Yeah. So they find a way. They study him and find out his dorsal fin is the weak point, and they try to do sound waves to lower his shield to match it. It was really weird. It, it was super sciencey. So, I mean, if you know the technology and things behind it, that part was really cool. Um, but they really, like, synced it in and then, poof, stabbed him with an EMP because his body's nothing but electromagnetic pulses and whatnot, all electrons. So you just, like, blow an EMP, and apparently it just fucks up his whole body <laughs> and then it's dead. I'm like, I don't know how he exploded, but I'm like, that was a little weird. So... That was neat. They won, and they're like, yay, we defeated Godzilla. It's great. And then all of a sudden, the whole earth's shaking, and this freaking mountain, what they thought was a mountain, you know, rises the Godzilla three times the size, and they find out, oh, shit, that's the one from 20,000 years ago. <laughs> he's been growing for 20,000 years. Yes. He's not dead. Um, and he's like this massive, I don't know where that mini Godzilla came from. There was just one mini Godzilla. Maybe there's probably more all over the planet. I don't know. A baby Godzilla. Babyzilla. Yeah, babyzilla. So, but Big Mamazilla just woke up here and it's like, oh, shit. Yep. So I'm like, oh, man. So that was a neat cliffhanger. And then that leads us into the second movie. So the second movie, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle, following their crushing defeat at the hands of Godzilla Earth, Haru Sakaki and his allies encounter a mysterious aboriginal tribe descended from the humans left behind on earth 20,000 years ago and uncover a mechanized city city-sized fortress formed from the long-lost anti-Godzilla weapon Mechagodzilla it is just as dangerous as Godzilla and it is intelligent nanometal that is poisoning the planet 
One alien race wants to consume it and let it take over the Earth, but Harrow stops these aliens instead of killing Godzilla. Harrow loses his love interest, Yuko. So this is where Yuko died. You, yeah. Yeah. She was like the only girl in this fighting force. Mm-hmm. So long story short, you know, Haru, he was made captain in the other movie, and then they find this place that has been hidden, this nano metal that was used for Mecha Godzilla. We saw that in the first movie that they're like, if we just activate Mecha Godzilla, we could win. And Godzilla ended up destroying the facility. So they yeah. found the facility because these aboriginal tribes that he found, like this weird little pink-haired native-looking girl. I don't, I don't know, like, like some humanoid. Heart, heart hair over like on yeah. her forehead. I mean, their skin was very different, so it's like an evolved human after 20,000 years Yeah. Um, that communicate telepathically. So that part was really weird, but you know, she they picked up on language very quickly. Um, so she like helped him and healed him and yeah, then she ran away and then they found each other and then they find the tribe and then they didn't kill him. And then this is where they took them back to like their ancient city and they found that they had a God that they were worshiping. It was an egg and it was what was left. Godzilla battled that monster many years ago and this was the only thing that was left of it. Um, and they knew that it could go toe to toe with Godzilla. So they were just... I don't know, worshipping this giant weird egg thing. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling I knew what it was, and I was glad I found out what it was, and I was right. And yeah. Long story short, it was Mothra. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the egg of Mothra, and I really thought it was going to hatch, and like, let's get a badass battle scene going let's get on here. Going, like, yeah. Let's go. The second part uh, needed something to like get it going. And it was just the humans fighting with these two freaking alien races that saved them in the first place. One was this weird, like, priest race. It was called the Exif. Not the Exit, but the Exif. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were the ones like, oh, the space god, we must worship it. And, and it turned into something weird. And the other one was, let's create... The ones that created the nanometal said, we need to become with this poison, and this will defeat Godzilla, and we must be power, power, power. So it was power versus spiritual versus human. So it really turned into a very Japanese style of what does it mean to be human? You know, the, the whole different thing of, um, remind me of like Triforce, power, courage, yeah. you know, wisdom, all those type things. Like what does it mean to be human versus these other races that represent different things? So it was, it's, it was neat to see that, but it just, it dragged on. This was just nothing but arguing back and forth. It was just very dialogue heavy screaming. Let's do this. Should I do this? I mean, the only action scene is where they trapped Godzilla at the end and where he decided, do I side with these people and kill Godzilla or do I try to save my friend, Yuko, my love interest, and then go on. So eventually he saves Yuko. And then that leads us to the third movie, the fallout of his choice. Yeah, so the third movie, Godzilla, the Planet Eater, with the Earth Alliance weakened, Heru Wei siding with Exif, Weird religion, priest, alien race. Those are my words. Those are words. (laughs) (laughs) Whose death cult is summoning a monster that can destroy the world. That monster is Ghidorah, Ghidorah. the three-headed beast. Mothra makes a strange appearance and saves Haru for a split second. Haru ends up sacrificing himself, trying to kill Godzilla, and fails. (laughs) 
weird ending. <laughs> this is all my synopsis. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't find a good one, so I'm like, here it is. This happened. It's shit. <laughs> um, I know usually we cover things on here that we like, so I think this is kind of a breath of fresh air that we're actually reviewing something that we don't really agree with. Yeah. Um, I was really hoping for that giant Mothra scene, and then they're like, let's go to the egg, and they're like, they like touch it, and like, oh, Mothra, save us. And all of a sudden, like, in his dream state, this giant shadow Mothra, I was like, Rawr! it just, like, knocks the bad guy out of the way, and, and that he, was like, it. hooks on to Godzilla or whatever, and is, like, pulsing. Like, oh, yeah, G- Ghidorah came, and that yeah, was oh, weird. Ghidorah, like, yeah. He couldn't, like, Godzilla couldn't swat at him. Like, he'd go right through him, but he could still feel the And it just had him, like, bite. trapped, basically. He wasn't really mm-hmm. doing anything more than just containing him. Right. And... Yeah. So it was weird. So this the weird priest thing, their whole idea was to get human sacrifices so they could call Ghidorah, the destroyer or whatever, to come and take care of Godzilla. Um, so this guy who we thought was his friend, so he's been grooming this kid, Haru, since he was little. He was the one that saved him from Earth. And he said, he's going to be our savior. He's going to be the one that brings Ghidorah to what it's supposed to be. <laughs> So he's been lying to him and manipulating him his whole life. So he used this weird little eye thing. So it was Ghidorah's eye. So Ghidorah could see what he could see. So they were transported to this other realm dimension. It got really weird. Yeah, I was like, yeah. some Very deep. Um, so Ghidorah's in this other weird dimension, but seeing through um, the priest, like Metaphis, I think his name is. I don't know. It wasn't that important. But... So it was this whole internal battle, like they're just sitting there holding one another in this whole other state subconscious level, and that's where Mothra comes in in the subconscious state and like knocks him out. Um, I don't know, it's super weird, but eventually, of course, Haru does what he does best and starts screaming, "No, we humans will survive. We will do this." Oh, I'm so angry! I, Godzilla, I hate Godzilla. I hate Godzilla. He killed my grandpa. He yeah, killed he my grandpa. You gotta die, Godzilla. <laughs> I will kill you. So he's, like, representing all of humanity, like, let's take back Earth. Earth is ours. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, so it was so weird. So they got peace. Like, Godzilla was doing his own thing, and he just stayed there. And so they were happy in their subterranean levels. After they defeated Ghidorah, everything was great. And I thought, okay, he'll just live his life. And, you know, these weird humanoids, they'll mate and create new families and just become part of what Earth is. And no... He wasn't happy with that. He wanted a uh, he wanted to go kill Godzilla one more time. Yeah. And his love interest Yuko who had the nano metal and she was like basically brain dead. So he just picked up her lifeless body, put it mm-hmm. in one of the weird Gundam suits and uh-huh. just said basically, "You Godzilla, Fuck this is you. For, this is for all humans." Yeah. And I thought like, "Oh, is he going to kill him? Is he going to kill him? Well, he's not going to kill him." And then Godzilla's just like atomic breath like, "Eh, boom, you're dead." And that was it. Yeah. And he goes, I do this for humanity. And I'm like, what? And like the, story, the story meant nothing. Like, it tried to be poetic, and I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm going to do this for all humanity, and his sacrifice was in vain. I'm like, that was a dick, selfish move. <laughs> you just killed yourself for no reason. Right. Because you're so, super depressed. It's like nothing else that, before that even mattered. Like, all that all that shit. I don't know. It just, it, it's like, it didn't matter. Like, it, yeah, it just it erased matter. out of history, and now it means absolutely nothing. Right, and I'm like, I just wasted three and a half, four hours of my life watching this <laughs> entire series. I don't even feel good at the end. 
Like, what was well, the point of this? I had a bad feeling watching part one because technically you can't kill Godzilla. Like, no. You, he's, you cannot kill him. So that's why a lot of stories on Godzilla make him out to be the hero or they just put him against other creatures his size and trying and making him the enemy and trying to defeat him. It, I just knew that the ending was going to be really sour. Yeah. So you have you well, put some good things. I, some I, I put some good problems. things and problems. I think we'll call them Keith's compliments and then Keith's complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, there you go. So the good things about this movie. I don't know. You want to read them and then I'll rant? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So Keith compliments and says, <laughs> beautiful animation, but not perfect. Mm-mm. Godzilla creeped me the hell out. He was like very creepy looking and he didn't move very much and they made him so big. Like, yeah, this is a thing of nightmares. I look at him and think, you know, I'm scared now. Like, he's very scary. In the other movies, he's not scary. He's like in a rubber suit and he's like, eh, oh, fun yeah, fun Godzilla and he's smiling. Like and I'm like, and I'm frightened for my life. Like, this is a freaky looking Godzilla. The way his eye, ugh, I don't know. It was very creepy. Oh, I didn't like how his his skin was like. His teeth and his nails were all the same color. Yeah, you know, it, like if it he was, wasn't there was no like the best. there wasn't really not any definition to him. And uh, he he like he wobbled too when he walked. I know they tried to make him like super big, but the animation with him was very poor. In like the and yeah, like when the energy was like coming up through his spine, mm-hmm. and then like the blast, it was like not out of his mouth. It was kind of like a. A shield, a sh- like, right in a front. A shield. Like, kind he of, didn't have to do anything. And, and then he just <laughs> kind of bored, and it just, like, kind of went out. It wasn't, yeah. like, from, like, inside of him, which yeah. was really odd. It's just, like, he could just turn and look and, like, turn it on whenever he wanted. Like, a laser beam out of his eye. But, yeah, you know, yeah, so it was, it was super weird. Odd. But the, the humans were good. I really liked that. The landscape, the planet, space, all that. They, and even Ghidorah, just that 3D animation. It was so good. Like, as a jumping point into this, like, they could have done so much with this if they just cleaned up the rest of it. But Yeah. Second point. Second point, Godzilla, of course, and monsters we recognize. It's freaking Godzilla. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is so cool. And then with Mothra and Ghidorah, I'm like, uh, like, you know, I knew those monsters. And I knew, I had a feeling when he said the monster that, you know, destroyed my planet and he whispered it in his ear. And what was really cool, they did very Marvel-esque. There was post-credit scenes at all oh, these. Yeah. Did you fast-forward and get through I missed those? the first one. I saw okay. the second and third one. Yeah, where he leans in and you hear it and he goes, and our monster that destroyed us was, I'm like, oh, shit, I know that. I'm like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. So I was so cool to see Godzilla, um, which leads into the third one. Third one, Godzilla's roar is the original one that is the most recognizable. His roar is like, Meh. Yeah, it goes up there at the end. I'm like, yes. We heard that a couple times. I'm like, like, yes, I love it. That's what I wanted to hear. It was so original. Um, So that part I really loved. Yep. Fourth one, good action sequence in the battles. That was so cool. Those little car things that they could just fly well, from and like shoot yeah, them and the explosions. The it was part, so cool. Part one and part three, like the the battles were great. They were. If they just if the whole thing they, was a battle, I'd be happy. <laughs> they just needed to clean up the story. The story was and just so sh- bleh. And they had to shorten it up a lot too. Mm-hmm. It was very long. Yeah, so we'll get into problems now. The Keith's complaints. Com- Keith's complaints. <laughs> uh, the first one: no character development besides main character 
Haru. Everyone else is forgettable. They are. I don't even know their names. No. You're useless to me. They're just side characters. They just. I, I didn't I get know. attached to you. you nope. They had one track. There was no development. Um, they stayed the same way, and they died the same way. Like, okay, you were completely useless to the story. I mean, Haru was the only one um, that was supposed to grow, but all he did was he was angry, then he won, then he wasn't so angry, and then he got angry again, and then, I don't know, because the, the alien races kept playing on his emotions, and they kept toying with him, and eventually he's just this angry kid, and he has been his whole life. And Like, the only really, like, the only good dialogue was between, like, Hiro and Yuko, and then, like, mm-hmm. the aboriginal yeah. chick, and then everybody else, is just, like, you forget it so quickly. You forget it. It's like... Yeah. Okay, you're just arguing, complaining. It's the basic human thing. Like, what's going to happen? Let's do this. No, let's do this. This is the best course of action. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, decide something. <laughs> right. It, it was just, ugh. Everyone most, else is just very forgettable. Most of part two is just a lot of bitching and arguing and yeah. how to do things. And It was not, not good at all. No. Number two, not enough monster battles and mostly angry dialogue between characters, which doesn't lead to much. Exactly. So that's what we mentioned that. It's like... I. This is, the movie's called Godzilla. Show me the frickin' lizard. <laughs> That's what I want to yeah. see. I want to see him fight. I want to see him um, Like, give, you know, give take us off. Mechagodzilla. Exactly. I mean, come on. I, I was d- so excited when they went to the facility. I'm like, yes, they're going to rebuild a giant Mechagodzilla. We'll have a 300-meter you know, giant yeah. frickin' battle. And, and then all no. of part three can be, like, them squaring off the entire time for an hour and a half. And I would be super happy. Yeah, and yeah. that wasn't it at all. Just more arguing. Number three, could have been so much more, but it was too long and could have been cut down to a two to three hour story. I would have been happy if this was one episode. Yes. Um, like I said, the rest of those characters meant absolutely nothing. You could meet one of their aboriginal people and, you know, the people there, and he would develop, he would grow, they would end up defeating him. Live happily ever after. I mean, I mean it was just... So long. You could have gotten this done in like two hours. Like I sat through it for what? (laughs) (laughs) There was nothing feel good at the end. Like this is horrible. I came to see Godzilla like destroy shit. And And he's the bad guy in the whole movie. And he won. And I'm like, and I feel terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought the humans are going to pull one out, but they didn't, which leads to number four. Ending sucked. (laughs) Tried to be poetic, but failed. I wrote this very late last night. I was I'm watching like, you type these notes in. Oh, I'm sure you were getting a kick out of it. As soon as you put ending suck, I, I cracked up laughing. <laughs> I mean, it did. I don't yeah. know. What, what was your thoughts on it? Do you? I mean, do you agree with that, or did you kind of get something out of the ending? I mean, I, I can see. I think they were trying to like put some kind of message out there about mm-hmm. like being human and humanity of some sort or whatever. It just wasn't c- clicking with... It wasn't... I don't know. It wasn't getting into it at all. It just... And the message didn't come across to me. And I, I did felt like I watched a lot of stuff for no reason at all. It was for nothing. Yeah. And I just... I kind of sensed this coming that some kind of stupid ending was going to happen. After watching that first one, I'm like, oh, man, I got two more <laughs> to sit through. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, like, I watched uh, that first one. I was like, all right, I, I need to see how this ends. It's yeah. probably not going to be good, but... So I figured it was sequential. I'm like, okay, there's one, there's two, there's three of these. Like, oh, this better be good. I mean, if it was sitting there watching Endgame, part one, part two, part three, it'd be like, yes, give me more. This is like, oh, uh-huh. 
I mean, we both mentioned we fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a few times, just the dialogue and the one on Netflix, when you're watching it, it is not English dubbed. Apparently, there is an English dub of it. And I don't want to say I want to give that one a chance because I really don't want to sit through that story again because I don't think it'll be any different. But You didn't watch the English, English dub? Because I switched to English right away. Oh, you did? Yeah. So oh, I, I watched I watched straight Japanese. And with the subtitles? With the subtitles. Oh, jeez. I didn't know that. You can change it to English. Well, yeah, I knew that, but I, yeah. I thought you were watching the Japanese one. So, yeah, no, I, I watched not the Japanese wa- one the whole way No, through. I immediately turned it to English dub. Oh. And that's what, so I didn't have to see any subtitles. It was just straight English. I mean, yeah, the, the mouth didn't, didn't match up. Right, but, right. But that's okay. Oh, that's really cool. So we watched two different versions. Yeah, we did. So I wonder if your dialogue was the same. But if you mm. agree with anything I said right here. It must have been the same. I, exact I, th- movie, I think so. it was. Wow, we just came to a re- um, realization on this podcast. We so, watched two different versions, and we both concluded it's still shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a Godzilla fan, I appreciate it, and that's why I toughed it through because I wanted to see the battle. I wanted to see what monster was going to happen. I knew there was going to be some battle at the end. But it was just like, uh, I'm being bitten, uh, I'm being picked up, and then the tables turned, and it's like, yeah, and then he atomic blasted the shit out of those monsters, and then they disappeared, and then that was it. I'm like, all that, and that was it? Right. Like, let's see some claws moving, let's fight, but you're so massive, it's like, slow-mo, and I'm like, ugh. And that's what I hated, too. I I don't think Godzilla is really that slow in most of the... Like, he, he was so, like, lethargic, and, like... It took but like he's three times the size of any other Godzilla from the normal movies, so they made him huge. So they had to play up to that that he was very different. Have um, you seen the size comparison? No, I have not. Chart. There's this weird Godzilla um, size comparison topic. All right, let's end with this beer. All right, we ready for our because I don't want to recap rating. Godzilla. It's it's crap. I don't recommend watching it unless you're a Godzilla fan. The end. Unless you absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if you want to put something Godzilla. on, if you want to put something on and fall asleep to at night because you're one of those Netflix people, put this on. <laughs> yes. All right, I'm I'm tapped in. I went to click up. What'd you give it? I went four point seven five. Um. At Treon on on draft, I gave it a four and a half. Um, I think I kind of I I was so close to that five, but the whiskey was like very prominent then, and I I'm not the biggest whiskey fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of came down a little bit. The whiskey is probably half of what it was now that it was at on draft. So I'm not gonna do a five because I. I hate doing like full fives because I, I don't know I. I like kind of doing the four and a half to four point seven fives. I, th- I always think that a beer could uh, wow me even like a little bit more. Yeah. So I don't know. I probably not. I probably should start doing more fives because we've pr- tried just about everything that you can think of. But yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed this. It was very smooth. I liked the coffee, the chocolate, um, that coconut that comes through. I think it's just like a culmination of everything in this kind of brings a kind of a coconut flavor to it. Um, the whiskey is just perfect. Um, I'm glad that we warmed it up a little bit, kind of bring out 
more of the flavors. But yeah, this is a damn fine beer. Very t- delicious. Uh, get your hard cheeses ready. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For your pills pairing. Did you finally come to a conclusion? All right. How Keith ranks things. And how Saf and I came to these type of conclusions. Like, when you find a beer, you always have to find something. There's so many, there's so many things that you like. <clears throat> and you're going through all the things you like about the beer. I love the sweetness of it. I love the smoothness of it. I love the chocolate behind it. I love the coffee. I love the roastiness of it. I love the smokiness of it. It's not too boozy. I mean, the booze is there and it came out. We're having it at room temperature, or a little bit down a well, it's been out for a while. I mean, it was still slightly chilled, so I think this is where it was supposed to be served. Granted, it's not in a snifter. We have it in a pint glass. But going through all those things, I like that, I like that, I like that. I'm having difficulty finding something I don't like about it. I know. And when yeah. I can't think of something I don't like about it, then I can't give it anything less than a five, than a right? Five. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. And it's like, there's a little bit of bitterness that with it that sits with you, but that's the same thing as drinking the cacao or cho- dark chocolate or, or drinking bourbon. You're going to have a little bit of that that bitterness, that roastiness with the coffee. It was, was you know, sitting on the tongue, but it's not like I don't like it. I know that it's there, but it's not... I, I don't know what else to say, but I'm giving this one a five. And, and I, very I rare. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured you would because, like you said, there there's nothing you can really find that you don't like about it, yeah. or there's nothing in here that you would change. You know, you wouldn't add a little bit more of this or a little bit of that, and so and yeah, I I mean, if I was a little bit more of like a bourbon fan, like mm-hmm. you are, I'm totally five too. Yeah, I mean, this hits the things that I like the most. Like, I know, you know, Saf with his IPAs and really likes those. Dustin enjoying the West Coast IPAs. And I, I'm very curious to see what Dustin would think of this one. But I know he's not more the coffee guy. I like more the coffee and the smokiness. I know not many of you guys like that smokiness to it. So, I mean, it hits all the good things that I like. No one else, you know, I may know would give it a five. Uh, Mr. Gone V6, Chris Leland, did give it a five, by the way. Oh. Um, I forgot to mention that on Untapped. He oh, did. shoot, we didn't read it. Yeah, he did give it a five. Okay. Um, so that was pretty cool Yeah. to see that. But I, when I can't find anything with it, it's like that treehouse I had with Saf. It's like I don't have anything negative to say. And when I don't have anything negative to say, then I, I don't know what else to give it but a five. I'd love to have it and try it again. I may not give it a five. Having it on draft could completely change my mind, but having it in this bottle and aged for however long that you've had it, letting it sit out, get to the correct temperature. But, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have it in a true snifter, which would really bring the flavors and aromas and everything true. else out. Um, who knows? But this was great. I would not mind sitting here and drinking this the entire evening, especially at 12% being that high and that smooth and that sweet. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. This is a dangerous beer. Cause it's 12, very dangerous. 12.1. Do you notice I polished mine off real quick? Yeah. <laughs> and in about uh, 30 minutes, you're going to be like, whoa, whoa. That's going to hit me here. Yeah. You're going to fall down and pass out on the carpet. And just leave me there. 
<laughs> Show yourself out. <laughs> I'll just make my way out and have a good night. Uh, overall, there's good beer. Anime episodes. Definitely probably going to be branching out into the anime realm here real soon. Check out Batman Ninja. It is so good. Godzilla, you can skip it. I, honestly. Unless you're going to fall asleep and you need something to sleep to, then please watch that. Yep, recommend Batman Ninja. I don't recommend Godzilla on Netflix. Unless you're diehard. Unless you're like diehard and you're Check just... Check it out. And you just you really to. want to know. And if you're looking for like a different adaptation of Godzilla and you're just really curious about it, okay, go ahead and take, check it out. Yeah. But I would say you can skip it and just read a synopsis on it. Or just listen to this. Or just like, listen, yeah, listen yeah, to this. Sucked. I'll, I'll skip it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. Until well, next time. Drink up. And geek out. Proud member of the Hopped Up Network. Shit. <laughs> I just it was to, your mic and not the beer. Yeah, I just <laughs> went to give uh, Keith a cue and I, I bumped my mic. <laughs> Point my finger at him. Okay, this is staying in. This goes to the yes, end. Yes, that should stay in. Oh my gosh. All right, you give me another cue with your other hand this time. <laughs>